Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. We are part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today is Will Purdue. Will is going to be more than just a one-time guest on this podcast, as we will explain in the show. Anyway, Will appears on the guest line, which is sponsored by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, please give Taylor or Russell a call. That number is 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Now, on to our interview with Will Purdue. Okay, we've got a really exciting day at the site. My guest is a guy that I have developed a friendship with over the last couple of years. If you're listening, you almost certainly know him. And I'll let him explain it in his words, but we have been batting around this idea for a while of collaborating on some things and uh, just maybe filling some gaps in the the Vanderbilt Athletics landscape. We, we got some big ideas of what we'd like to do. And with that, I would like to welcome to the show a guy who is sort of a guest today, but he's going to become more like a co-host on the podcast over time. Uh, it may be once a month sometimes. It may be once a week at times. But whatever we do, it's going to be great. I am thrilled to bring to the podcast my friend Will Purdue. Will, thanks for joining us. And I want to give you the floor to talk a little bit about what you and I have been discussing privately and this little partnership that we're about to embark on. Yes. Well, Chris, thank you for having me. You know, this is uh, an idea that you and I, as you mentioned, have been tossing around for quite a while. And it wasn't something that, you know, I sure I was positive that I was ready for, or maybe a best case scenario would be say to commit myself to, to making sure that I do it correctly. Cause I just don't want to come on and just, you know, throw a bunch of ideas out and then disappear. You know, as most people know, I, as an individual and as a person am very passionate about Vanderbilt athletics because of the time that I invested and spent there, I can honestly say, you know, it was, was some of the best times of my life, if not the best. And that's, that's saying a lot because of what I was fortunate to be able to accomplish once I walked off that campus and, you know, and not to brag, but just to make a comparison for people is to be fortunate enough to play with Michael Jordan and Tim Duncan and David Robinson and Scotty Pippen and, you know, two uh, organizations in the Chicago Bulls and the San Antonio Spurs and the win four championships. But what Vanderbilt made me from a boy to a man to the things that I learned, I mean, in the classroom, yes, but also just what Sam Newton taught me and to what I learned from uh, other administrators at the university during my time there, those within McGugan, those within the halls of the university itself and in the numerous classes that I took, that somehow, some way, I hope that this podcast becomes something that will help facilitate uh, maybe a better relationship between the university and the athletic department, a better relationship between the alumni, most notably former athletes in the university and the athletic department, but just something, you know, that hopefully maybe I can be, and I and you, we together can become a voice of reason. You know, I don't want people to think that this is a podcast so that you and I can come out all the time and bang on the athletic department for the mistakes that they've made and the things that they're doing wrong. It's also when things are going well to compliment them and point those things out as well. You know, it's, it's a multi-purpose podcast with the hopes that we can get former athletes to come on as guests. We can get administrators within the athletic department to come on to help spread their message, but also if they would like to, 
you know, rebuttal some of the things that uh, we have discussed on here if they feel like we've made a mistake or are unfair. And, you know, as an older individual, I'm 56 years old, you know, this is kind of the method of which, you know, people communicate, how they get information. You know, it's so funny. I'll kind of touch on this for a second. You know, my son is a senior in high school, and he talked about uh, the other night, uh, him and his girlfriend uh, were having a discussion on the phone for an hour. And I'm like, you actually talked to her for an hour? And he goes, Dad, we don't talk. We texted. We texted back and forth for an hour. We had a discussion. Teenagers, when you mention the word discussion, that's a discussion. I talk to you on the phone. All my friends, we don't talk. We text. But it's just it's, the times are different, and a podcast is a form now of information. And hopefully we can help provide the, that information that will help close all these gaps. And, you know, I know that a lot of people listening will, will probably laugh, but, you know, make things more harmonious between Vanderbilt, their alumni, their relationships, and just let, let people know how I feel, how you feel, the information that we've gathered. And what others feel as well. A lot of the things that I discuss, I, I put it out there and say, hey, I got this information from somebody that I trust, somebody that I believe in, somebody that, you know, is educated. And I, I appreciate how they present things. And I will, you know, may not mention people by name, but we'll give them the necessary credit because that's how you go out and you find out information. You do your research, you do your homework, and you develop opinions. That is incredibly well said. All that I second. And just a little more background for people. I've been saying a few things for a while. First of all, just for people like you, I've developed so many friendships with athletes, some of whom I've covered, some of whom I didn't, but got to know later. And of course, I didn't cover you, but I watched you growing up in this area playing. And of course, any SEC fan in this area knows who you are. That was one thing. I felt for a long time that the athletes at Vanderbilt don't really have a voice. And it's frustrated me to to watch it because you see all these people and I get the same text that you do, that everybody's just frustrated and, you know, it's just about had it at times. And and the bottom line is, and, and people can call it groaning or whatever, but the bottom line is people want better. And I've always felt badly that you guys didn't have an avenue for that, to, to unite, to connect. Uh, to talk about the things that you were concerned about uh, without being censored or whatever. So, and and that's one reason you and I have talked about having former players, having administrators, whoever on here, because uh, I think athletics having a voice is important, and that's something that I've always believed for you. From a podcast standpoint, I've, I've wanted somebody who that I thought could speak with authority to some of the things that have been subjects for a while now, for frankly, since about 2014 on, when it felt like the athletic department was not headed in a great direction, which, you know, as it turns out, it wasn't. But I wanted somebody who could speak with authority, with knowledge, who, who had sources, all kinds of things. And that's where you came in just to merge kind of some things that I wanted for the podcast with some things that I want for you guys. And hopefully there's a lot of former players out there listening. We want this to be a voice for you where, where opinions can be heard concerns can be expressed and again we we will call it as we see it and there's been plenty of things to celebrate and certainly will be with with baseball season coming up and who knows we'll see how basketball ends too and, and hopefully with football but that is kind of the the genesis of all these ideas is that will and i have been having these conversations for a couple years now and when we finally went to lunch back in november I said, Will, why, why don't we do this thing? And you needed some time to think it over, uh, some time to clear your schedule. But here we are. And, you know, as, as today got closer, you know, I, I was excited about it. You know, I know that it may not always be pretty, and some episodes are going to be so much better than others. And my hope is, is that, you know, as you and I talk, we can tell stories, we can make it entertaining. It's, you know, it won't necessarily be 100% about Vanderbilt, but there will always be a Vanderbilt connection. And, you know, people always 
ask me about, you know, the things, and not only the organizations that I played for, but being under Phil Jackson, playing for, you know, Greg Popovich, developing relationships with those guys, not only as coaches, but as people. You know, I learned a lot and I'd love to hopefully be able to pass along some of that, you know, what I call wisdom, you know, to those that like to listen to podcasts and be entertained. But let me just say one thing. A lot of people watched The Last Dance. And it was a tremendous hit when uh, it came out. And you can still watch it on Netflix to this day. And, and millions of people have watched it numerous times. And I get a lot of people that will come up to me and, you know, they're like, man, you called Michael Jordan a soul. <laughs> I said, well, it was difficult to play with, you know, because that's also a, a big question. You know, people are kind. People have manners, but they're always, you can just tell they're chomping at the bit. What was it like to play with Michael Jordan? And I always tell them about, you know, it wasn't easy. You had to earn his respect. And some players, you know, don't have that aura about them or have that demand because what have they done demand to demand your respect? You know, you should be demanding their respect as well. But there are certain people that, you know, you have to prove yourself to. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is, is because, you know, I think that, you know, the job that Candace is trying to do as the athletic director is very difficult. It's demanding. It's mentally and emotionally draining. But I think the one thing that I learned from Michael that I try to implement in a lot of things that I do, and one of the reasons why I kind of wanted to move forward with this podcast was is to, you know, also try to work hand in hand, in hand with the athletic department, but also let them know that we're, we're holding them accountable. We want them to do better. We feel like as former athletes, we deserve better. And one of the things that I always tell people about Michael Jordan was, is that he didn't care if you liked him. That wasn't one of his agendas. I want to make sure you like me. He says, but I'm going to make sure you respect me. And if you disrespect me, I'm going to take it upon myself to do whatever's necessary that when I'm done with you, you will respect me. And yes, that's more of a basketball sporting game analogy. But I also think that, you know, within Vanderbilt University, you know, Candace, Tommy, even, you know, uh, you know, the new chancellor. That's part of what they need to do, because a lot of the decisions that they have to make are not going to be popular decisions. They're very difficult. I do respect them for what it is they are attempting to do and trying to do. They're trying to do a total 180 over at, uh, you know, McGugan. They've got significant changes that they have to make. They've got to convince us that they're doing the right thing. And that's, that's, that's tough. You know, I talked to Candace about this. I've talked to, you know, Deermeyer about this because of the past you as an individual will be judged on the past, even though you didn't necessarily have a lot to do with the past. So you've just got to accept that, but you have to forge your own path so that when it's, this is all said and done, regardless of how many years it is from now until then, you're judged on what you did, not what somebody else did, not what the reputation of the university is, but what the reputation of the university is that you're trying to make it become. And, you know, that's for both Deermeyer and Candace, they've got a lot of work ahead of them. They got, you know, there's been a lot of holes and landmines left behind and they've got to fill those holes in. They've got to diffuse those landmines and they have to, they have to convince us former athletes, but also students to buy in, to be a part of, you know, the future of Vanderbilt athletics. And it's, I, and Chris, I'll say this, I think they're headed in the right direction, but it's, it's, been a, it's been a slow go. And 
we wish that it was going much, much better and that it was going at a much better pace than it is right now. And that brings me full circle to where I wanted to, to kick off the topical portion of the podcast today. Again, one reason I've got you here is you have relationships. You've got them with Tommy McClellan. You've got them with, with Candace Lee. You've got one with Daniel Deermeyer. You are you're very well connected at that university. I don't mean just the athletic side and, and former athletes and knowing coaches. And by the way, this is multiple sports. Will is friends with Tim Corbin. Will is friends with Clark Lee. So we're going to be able to span a lot of things other than basketball here. But you do have relationships and sources at the university. Uh, and excuse my dog if you can hear him in the background. Uh, this this will probably not <laughs> be the first show. or the last. It, it is, and, and it is um, it is about 25 degrees and muddy outside, and he wants to be out there and not in here. And so we're probably going to hear about that for a good bit today. But – where I was going to go is is you do have a lot of background. You, you're about as well-connected at the university as anybody I know. And I want to start here. You know the chancellor. We have talked about him privately many times. Your opinion of him has always been positive, and it's been consistent in our private conversations. And that's been the case with a lot of other sources I have, too. And I do think the chancellor, by coming out with the the athletic commitment the 3 to 400 million dollar project it's been announced at 300 million but i think it's going to be closer to 400 and i don't think they'll be done then by the way and i don't think you think that either but there have been some mixed signals in here right he is i think been a lot more in the background the last few months in terms of athletics and not maybe out in front with support this is all speculation. I have no information, and, and some of this is background. But you've also had a series of wrong turns there. There, there are several decisions that they have made that I, I feel were, were bad ones, terrible ones, sometimes almost catastrophic ones. Those have been discussed on the podcast. A lot of people have been very hot about the decision not to have students at the games while the rest of the conference is. All that said, we, we've talked about many of these things before, I'm a little confused right now on the chancellor because, again, lots of good things and I think more good than bad in terms of you've seen some things. You've seen a a football coaching change that needed to happen, but you've also seen a Sarah Fuller thing that split the football team. You've seen a a media relations disaster. You've seen so many things, and, and they've happened under his leadership. However that happened, I don't know. Sometimes you need to let your people make a mistake on their own. Sometimes you need to exert influence. I don't know enough about the background of all those things to make a judgment on him. But what I'm getting at is with all the mixed signals, and some people have speculated that the chancellor has put a bullet on his back with with coming out and being so supportive of sports. And maybe the interfaction that runs the school has kind of got to him. And he's had to dial some of that back. Again, total speculation, but I have a hard time reconciling what in my mind are two very different tracks that athletics have taken under his path? Well, listen, I was very fortunate that Chancellor Deermeyer did agree to meet with me. And the reason why I reached out to have a meeting with him is because, okay, a new chancellor, a new opportunity, a clean slate, I wanted to come in and meet with him as a voice and not just as my voice, but as a voice of former athletes. And he was very accepting. He was very willing. He did not hesitate. And it happened almost immediately. And there's something about, there's a story he told me that resonated with me and will continue to do so. He talked about how when he came to the United States, and I may be a little off on the dates and the exact, you know, chronological order, but he, when Chancellor Deermeyer, when he came to the States, he came to Los Angeles. And that was during the time of huge USC, UCLA rivalry, the Olympics. So he came into LA at a great time, but he talked about how he saw what a university 
because you went to USC, what a university can do, how it can, you know, rally a city, how it can, you know, create that common bond between the university and the athletic departments and the students and the athletes. And he talked about how that's something that he would like to, to have happen at Vanderbilt. Because I explained to him as when I was there in the 80s, the complaints that we still hear about now, about the division between, you know, students and athletes. Well, they're, they're actually called student athletes. They're still students, but they're also athletes. And I'm not saying that they should necessarily be put on a pedestal, but they should also be given the same rights and privileges as regular students and that they should not be treated as outcasts. And I think he's working to improve that. I do believe when he said that he is working hard to improve the relationship between the athletic department and the university, he said, and I feel like I can share this, that athlete athletics now has a seat at the table. But I think it's, it's a lot more difficult than just making those announcements. I, and this is speculation as well, but people that I've talked to within Vanderbilt University, within the athletic department, still feel like there's too much separation between athletics and education or the athletic department and the university. I think that there is, what's that street that goes down to the east of Memorial Gymnasium. I'm awful with street names, so I, I may not be much help here. <laughs> Is it 23rd? It's Jess Neely. No, but it runs right next to Memorial Gymnasium. Yeah, yeah. Down by the baseball field. Yep. You know, but on one side is Memorial, and on the other side is Branscombe. And then okay, that's, that's the, Perry uh, Wallace Way now, isn't it? Or is it? That is correct. Okay. Thank you for reminding me of that. That's Perry Wallace Way. Aptly named, by the way. Yes, absolutely. But there's a lot of us as former athletes that still feel like that that's the line of division right there. Because once you cross that line, then you become a student heading towards the university. Once you cross that line, headed back towards Memorial and McGugan and the football stadium and all the athletic facilities, you then become a, an athlete. That line needs to go away. There needs, there needs to be, it just needs to be one. And I think that's part of the reason why, you know, you have, what is it? One Vanderbilt, and I apologize, I don't, I don't know it better and I should. But that's something that they're trying to accomplish. But I do believe that Deer Meyer is getting some pushback. He's having to work a little harder at that than maybe he anticipated. And I still think we have to give him some more time. And again, as I said at the beginning, I wish this pace of improvement of not only relationships, but facilities was going much better and faster and quicker. And I would love to be able to drive right by Vanderbilt right now today and see all these cranes in the air and see these big holes in the ground, but it's just, it's not happening. And that is unfortunate, but you know, I'm still giving him the benefit of the doubt because I do believe that he has that vision. I think now he's probably had to try to change the path to get from A to B, but he still has that vision. I'm not willing to give up yet. And I didn't technically address the, the fan situation at Memorial. And this is where I feel like that Vanderbilt, and we'll have some of these stories throughout this podcast. This is where I feel like Vanderbilt needs to be more in touch, both the university and the athletic department. I still feel like they're somewhat tone deaf. They don't understand their audience yet. They're still trying to figure it out. The whole thing with this, you know, not allowing the students to the games. You got to remember, I feel like going to athletic events is earned. It shouldn't just be given. The students are complaining that they're not allowed to go to the Tennessee and the Kentucky game to me is, is kind of bogus because, you know, if you want to go to that game, you also need to go to the Mississippi state game and you also need to go to the Missouri game. And if you're on campus and I understand that, you know, some of those games were happening while school was out 
and they were on break. But if you're on campus and there's a basketball game, I can tell you right now, regardless of what their record are, those players, both football and basketball, would love for you to be there. They're dying for you to be there. But you're not there. But you can't just say, hey, I only want to go to the Tennessee game. I only want to go to the, to the Kentucky game. That's a privilege. And I understand there's that athletic fee to pay for all this stuff. But at the same time, it's got to be both sides of the, of the coin, right? you got to put forth a little effort. I guarantee you the athletes and the coaches would definitely appreciate it. But there's also, you know, a return of you get to, you get to go to the Tennessee game. You get to go to the Kentucky game. But the problem now is, is that the athletic department makes a, a big statement about safety and how they care about their, their students, but yet they're opening up the tickets for general admission. I personally, Chris, don't have a problem with that because as everybody knows, the athletic department needs every dime it can get. And whether you want to admit it or not, you're doing this just for, you know, profit's sake. I have no problem with that. But the problem is, is that your message says that we care about our students. We're trying to control the situation during an epidemic. But we don't care about regular fans. And you guys can all come in and buy tickets and sit right next to each other. And this could be a huge spreader event. But as long as our fans aren't there, we're okay. our students aren't there, we're okay. Bad message. But I, I, I get the reasoning, but I wish there was a little more transparency. They can't seem to pick a lane. On the same night they do that, they honor a 91-year-old at halftime. I, I don't know if that was lost <laughs> on most people or not. It wasn't lost on some. But I want to trampoline from there into the bigger picture with, with basketball and with attendance in particular. Will, they've got – it would probably break your heart if you were here to go to games. They have about three to 4,000 of their own fans in the gym, whether it's South Carolina or Kentucky or Tennessee. And I, I have some reasons for that I want to dive into, and I think they do relate to money uh, and maybe some incentives that have been set up. But it is it is shocking to watch what has happened to that gym. They have now been outdrawn two straight games, can't make it any more fun on the fans who are there uh, to be outnumbered in your own building. I mean, that's just one thing I never dreamed would happen. And I don't know how they get that back. Well, Chris, I have friends that, that, that go to a lot of games. And on game night, usually about literally two minutes before tip, I'll get a text from one of my friends and it will be a video of a memorial. And I always ask the same question, how far out from tip are we? And they'll literally be like 30 seconds. And I'll, in my next text, where is everybody? I mean, it's literally empty. And they'll be like, this is pretty standard. And it's just, it breaks my heart that it's gotten to this point. Now, I get it. You have the Titans. You have the Predators. You have competition. Remember, Vanderbilt used to be the only show in town. So, but what that means is you just have to work harder. You've got to get creative. You've got to find ways to get people in that building. Now, a lot of it has to be with the product that's out on the floor. It's kind of like the movie, build it and they will come. Not only the facilities, but the product that's out on the floor. You build a winning product, those fans will come because they want to see good basketball. That being said, I just I feel terrible for former players like myself because there's so many of them that live in Nashville, former player. I don't live there, but former players that live in Nashville that want to be a part of that program, that want to be 
going to games on a weekly basis. But again, it's the, the part about being tone deaf, the part about not being involved of them not feeling like the, uh, the university athletic department doesn't care. And also not feel like their support really means anything. So they find other means to spend their time and their, and their income. And that's, that's unfortunate. Now, that being said, one thing I would like to do is, is also, let's just, you know, as I said, we're not here just to bang on the university, but I think Stackhouse this year has done a great job. Let's, let's not talk about his Twitter arguments with the fans. Let's not talk about that. Let's not talk about, you know, we've already touched on the lack of fans. But the fact that, you know, he now has what I consider to be a good product. I've watched all the games that have been on TV, whether it be ESPN or SEC Network. And, you know, I see improvement. Unfortunately, they've had a couple players that are hurt. And, you know, but what I want to see is, is now... Now that we're into the SEC schedule, I'll be working for Westwood One and calling the, uh, the SEC tournament this year down in Tampa like I am every other year when it's in Nashville or St. Louis. And I'm hoping that, you know, I, just, I work just the semis on Saturday and the championship on Sunday. Do I think they're going to be playing on Saturday? No, I don't think so. But I hope they're playing on Friday. I hope they're in the quarters. Uh, with the opportunity to get to Saturday. It's been a long time since they've been in that position. But, you know, the one thing I remember when Malcolm Turner called me and he asked about Jerry Stackhouse, I said, listen, this is a guy that's won in the G League. He knows how to coach. I remember I used to interview him all the time when I was working for ESPN when he was playing because he's, you know, a few years behind me. I always felt like he was very knowledgeable and knows the game. But there's also a learning curve regardless of how good of an NBA player you were, regardless of how well you know the game, you've, and you know, how much coaching experience or how little coaching experience you have, whether it be in the NBA, high school, whatever, there's that learning curve once you get to, once you get to college. And it's also about recruiting. And that's another area where he started to improve and he's, you know, he's getting better recruits. He's getting a better quality of player. So the product's going to be better. But this is his third year. And for most coaches, it's, it's, you know, your third year is kind of your make or break year. You know, you got people behind the scenes talking about, hey, is, is the basketball program moving in the right direction? Is recruiting moving in the right direction? You know, is this our guy or do we need to start thinking about making a change? You know, where does the, where does the basketball program stand? You know, on, on the surface, the optics don't look good. And that's unfortunate for Jerry. It's unfortunate for the athletic department, but this is what I talked about with, with Candace. You know, these are some of the hard decisions you have to make that, are, that may not be very popular. You know, I'm not involved with the, with the basketball program as much as I'd like to be, but that's also, you know, as much as that is on me, that's, that's also on Jerry and that's on, you know, the university or the athletic department, but also, you know, the basketball. Have you made it known that you want more alumni at the game? Have you reached out? Have you tried to, you know, get, uh, you know, things going with the rebounders that you, that, you know, I don't know what happened to the rebounders. You know, it used to be all the former, you know, uh, basketball players would be part of the rebounders and they picked a game every year where we would show up and, you know, people would come in from all over the country and, you know, reminisce. I'm not sure if rebounders still exist. If it does, then, you know, shame on me, but also shame on me for not pushing that, pushing that harder. But that's again, kind of like the, the message that we're talking about today with all the different topics is it's just that as much as things seem to have changed in Magoogan in the athletic department, there still seems to be a lot of the same problems. And that's just, that's, you know, what, what bothers me. And these are the type of discussions that I have my, with my friends that are, you know, former basketball players, former baseball players, former football players. That's just one of the things that we continually uh, discuss. Yeah, I think that former player engagement is at an all-time low and almost non-existent, which I think he'd like to get some of that. He needs it. 
Certainly he needs you know, it. I, I know that as of late that, that Jerry has complained a little bit about the lack of support. Yeah. And I understand exactly where he's coming from. But that's been a problem for years. It's not I mean, before he got here, and, it, and unless something changes drastically, it probably will be after he leaves. But the one thing that I think that, that Jerry probably needs is better support from the athletic department. And helping him accomplish that. Part of it is, is put, you know, a winning product on the floor. That will help tremendously. But I think that Jerry, much like we talked about Deermeyer, is the vision that he had when he took this job. And remember, I was at the press conference. I was there to support him and let him know that if he needs anything from me, all he has to do is reach out. But with the vision he had when he got there of what he thought he could do compared to the vision that he has now three years later is is probably much, much, much different. And it's required a lot more work than he thought and anticipated. I'm sure he had people tell him what, you know, and asked him, did he know what he was getting into? And I'm sure he probably said yes, but I'm sure he sits at home late nights thinking this, this is not what I had anticipated. But at the same time, at the moment, he's not running from it. He's trying to make it work, and and I hope it does. But you know, I like I said, I'll make a significant evaluation once we get into the meat of the SEC schedule and we get closer to the SEC tournament time. And where is the basketball uh, at that point? What is their record? How are they now that they're into the into the SEC? Because I think what people are now seeing is ACC is dropped off. You know, there's some really good teams in the Big Ten, but that's dropped off. And the SEC, as far as basketball goes, is trending in the right direction. And that, to me, is is wonderful. And it's not just about, you know, how good Kentucky is, but how good these other other teams are. And, again, Vanderbilt as a whole, I think, is trending in the right direction. They, gar- they are improving. You know, it's unfortunately taken Jerry three years to get here. But now where can we go from here moving forward? I get this from football and basketball players. I think the sense of disconnect between former athletes and the school is the highest it's ever been to the point that I think some people just literally just don't care or follow it anymore. The ones that do still care are, I think, incredibly unhappy for the most part. And I thought one thing Malcolm Turner had started to do in his short tenure, and I know I heard this from ex-football players, he would have game day events and luncheons and things like that and and sit in front of an audience of 100, 200 football players and just talk to them and, and get their ideas. And I felt like Malcolm was really starting to bridge that gap and do a good job of it. And now I don't get the senses there at all. I know that they have the, the former athlete council, but the optics of that to everybody are that it's who are you buddies with and are you going to – I don't know how to say this. It seems like that they have taken stock of allegiances and who will will spout their message on social media is a way of putting it together than, than finding people who might have influence and opinions. I, I, I didn't say that well at all, but point is that there's there's not there's not a very big circle of ex athlete involvement, and what's there is very predictable. I guess is the way to say it. Well, while you were talking, I wanted to make sure that I got this right. You know, I think that, you know, the alumni base from a student-athlete perspective has become very apathetic regarding the athletic department, more so than less, meaning there are still those that, since they have stepped off campus, are involved are all in, go to every football game, basketball, whatever it may be. But that number is so small compared to the actual number of athletes that go through there on a yearly basis because of, you know, the disconnect. This is part of, you know, what makes Vanderbilt so special to me is the experience that I had there. We won. We went to the NCAA tournament. We went to the Sweet 16. I mean, I remember walking to class 
and and others and students high fiving me, talking about the game the night before. Student section being jammed, you know, uh, walking to the library. Yes, I went to the library. It was infrequent, but I did go to the library in the evenings and seeing students lined up in Surratt waiting to get tickets that don't start becoming available till the next day for games. And the atmosphere beating North Carolina that memorial, beating Indiana, the students rushing the floor, you know, just, I feel so fortunate, but that was what made my, that made a huge part of my tenure at Vanderbilt. So enjoyable. So remember, I mean, not proper English, but it was just, that's why I say this was some of the best times of my life. I mean, the, the friends that I have now that I consider my best friends, you know, guys that I played with, Barry Goheen, Barry Booker, you know, Steve Reese. Somebody's going to get mad because I left him out. But, you know, guys that were on my team, former baseball players, Kelly Klippenstein, football players, guys that I've met recently, regular students that I have great relationships with now, Kevin Watson and, and other guys that, you know, were just normal students with the relationships that we had. I would love to see every single athlete that steps on that campus have that experience. They talk about the student athlete experience, but the one thing you got to remember that experience starts with winning. Regardless of how you want to sell it, if you don't win, that's going to significantly affect that student experience while that student athlete is on campus for those four or five years. But I, you know, I'll even say that I felt like, you know, there was, even as an athlete, I made a point. And Coach Newton was the one that told me to do this. Reach out to students. Make sure that your friend base is not just your teammates. Reach out. You know, make friends that are just regular, normal students that aren't athletes. You know, expand your horizon. That was, CM Newton told me that. You know, and I, I took him up on his word, but... I just unfortunately have, and just recently met former football players and other athletes that, you know, because they didn't have a winning experience, it affected their, their student athlete experience. And, you know, there's former football players. And I will say this, Clark Lee is changing this. That to me was the best hire because of the investment and the passion he has, not only for the university athletic department, but also for these former football players and current guys stepping on campus that they get together all the time. But the one thing they don't really talk about football, they talk about life. They talk about other things, but that experience they had during their time there on the football side, wasn't necessarily too enjoyable, but that is changing. That's on the, that's on the horizon, but that's it's going to take more than Clark Lee to make that happen, to change it. I think they have drawn a very narrow circle and decided who's, who's on their team and who's not. Uh, that's that's the best way I know to put it. And I'll give you an example. Well, and I think there's – Yeah. Okay, go ahead, and then I'll, I'll follow up. Well, and, and you, you see a lot of complaints about the who's picked to, to represent the school with fan councils and athletes and things like that. I'll just leave it at that. But I, I, I don't think that's new ground for most listeners. But I'll give you an example of this is them just being tone deaf for – a lack of a better word. I'm going to, I'm going to bring you into this here. They retired or going to retire Shane Foster's number. And let me just say some things here. Cause I don't want anybody to get this mixed up. Shane Foster is one of the best human beings that you could ever be around. Shane Foster had a tremendous career. Didn't just lead them in scoring, uh, but was a really good all around player. Was that rare combination of, Volume score with deficiency that that is hard, hard, hard to find. Uh, and Shane was probably better at it than anybody playing in the league right now, if you want my honest opinion. And so I, I think retiring Shane's jersey is totally appropriate. But there were two other guys who wore number 32. I'm speaking to one of them. And another one is Jan Van Bredekoff, who 
was SEC Player of the Year during a year that they won an SEC title. They finished second another year under him, and he coached there, and he played in the league. And I'm just going, okay, I don't even like to talk about it. I haven't on the podcast because I don't want to – Shane deserves his moment, right? And I think I think they've done Shane a disservice too by all this, by the way, because people have talked about this on my message board, and I'm sure they have on Twitter. And I would, I would not want to do anything to detract from Shane's moment, but they've done it unwittingly. Because why can't you retire that jersey, have Will Purdue there, have Jan Van Breedekoff there? And oh, by the way, if Will's there, Barry Goheen's going to come. Charles Mays is probably going to come. Steve Reese, all those people who can come. If it's Van Breedekoff, he can call on his own set of people. There you go, right there. There's your way to get people back involved in basketball again. To have people talking about three guys who deserve that honor and and not to have Shane's accomplishment diminished in any way by the way it was done, you bring people back, you get an opportunity for them to meet the coaching staff, you got a few more bodies in the gym, but that that's just what happens when you you don't really get the big picture and you don't think of those things. And that was an easy win that, frankly, they just really screwed up. Well, here's, and I'm glad you brought that up. I feel like, and I'll be very honest, did I have the the best college career? No, I mean, my, my college career basically amounted to two really good years, my junior year and my senior year. I mean, I struggled when I first got there. You know, like I talked about, I almost flunked out. I sat across from CM Newton, who told me basically, you need to make a decision now. Are you going to stay and invest your time in the classroom like I expect you to invest your time in the gym? Or do you feel like it's better for you to go elsewhere? Or maybe it's not going to be as difficult academically. And I made a decision to stay. And again, as you've heard on this podcast, and those that know me know how much Vanderbilt means to me and what I've learned in my experience there. Um, so I feel like that's some, somewhat of a success story. You know, I get uncomfortable talking about myself, but I'm just like, okay. And I'll agree with what you said. Shane Foster is a wonderful human being. I don't, I'm, I don't want to try to take anything away from this, but I think unfortunately kind of how this has been handled, it's kind of putting a little shade on it. And that's unfortunate for Shane. Because, he, again, he's one of those guys that's been all in that I've talked about. He's one of the few that's been all in. He's at all the games. He's, he's involved with the athletic department. He lives there in Nashville. He does great things for the community. Again, a wonderful person. Had a great college career. All-time leading scorer. You know, he's, he has a lot of accolades. But then I started saying, you know, I wasn't the leading scorer. I wasn't the leading rebounder. But, you know, when I kind of look on my accomplishments, you know, I I thought I did a lot as an individual, but I did a lot, I thought, for the university. And all those years when I was, you know, playing for the Bulls and the Spurs and, you know, when I was starting and they would be like from Vanderbilt, that carries a lot of weight, you know. And I can honestly say I've tried to get involved with the university. I've tried. I keep going back. You know, it's kind of like, you know, just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. But then I I get disappointed. I get frustrated. And, I, you know, I walk away. But then I always come back. But then I, I thought about it. And what happened was, I mean, I'm literally getting ready for bed one night. I'm talking to my wife. And I'm kind of scrolling through Twitter. You know, what did I miss in the NBA? What did I miss in college? You know, I, I try to use that as in, informative for what I do as, a, as a, an analyst. And all of a sudden, there's a, you know, I follow Vanderbilt basketball. Boom, there it is on Twitter. Vanderbilt University has decided in the athletic department to retire the number, Shane Foster's number 32. And I thought, that's awesome. Congratulations to Shane. And I'm like, I, I mean, I, I kid you not. I was like, 
wait a minute, that's my number. I'm not so sure how I feel about that. And then I, then I stopped and I said, wait a minute, didn't Jan Van Bredikoff wear that number? It was like, there's a lot of people that have had a significant impact on that university that have wore that number. How do you just attire one person on that jersey? Full transparency. I've gone back and forth on how I felt with it. And I reached out and I talked to, to Barry Goheen and I talked to other former players. What do you think about this? How, how should I feel? What, you know? And then I did some research, you know, about Van Bredikoff. His best season was 11 points, almost 10 rebounds, five assists, you know, SEC player of the year. It's the same thing that Shane accomplished. He's not the leading scorer, but, you know, that was a time when Vanderbilt basketball was rolling. And I, I use the word we. I talk about everybody that I played with. We were rolling, going to the tournament. I mean, they had guys, they had the nickname the Bomb Squad. And, you know, it's just all kinds of stuff was happening. So how do you, how do you decipher these errors? How do you decipher how – but I just felt like – and it's kind of like the tone of this – podcast unfortunately is being a little tone deaf they never reached out to me even after they made the announcement they haven't reached out to me maybe they don't feel it's necessary but i felt like considering the players that have worn that number and the significance that those players have had for that basketball team and that university and you think about all the years that van bredikoff you know that he played in the nba and when people were like, Dan Van Bredekop, Vanderbilt, you know, what about Charles Davis? And, you know, how do they determine this? But my point is, is that I felt like that maybe they should have reached out to me and, you know, said, hey, what do you think about this? And I would have gladly said, and not that they have to. I don't want people to be like, oh, you're saying they should have reached out to you and asked your permission. No, but I think I should have been part of that. You know, I should have been, I felt like maybe I should have been a part of that decision. I think Van Bredikoff should have been part of that decision. Plus, I feel like we should be part of the ceremony to congratulate Shane. But also for like you mentioned it, the, the way you presented it, that if Jan's there, players, guys that he played with would be there. And if I'm there, guys that I played with would be there to support me, to support him, to support Shane. You know, that's that connection. You start bringing people back into the fold. And again, it's just time and time. They just have these opportunities that I feel like they just drop the ball and it doesn't happen. Yeah, and if, if you want a whole other exercise, uh, sometimes go through the record books and make a list of who earned All-Americans and this and that and, and then look at the Hall of Fame and, and compare those lists side by side and you've got some real uh, disconnects there too that that's a whole we could do a whole podcast on that but we won't because i know you and i both have to go in five minutes but we had a couple topics that i know we wanted to get into that i just don't think we have time to today because you and i both have commitments but i want to give you the floor in the remaining four minutes or so to type any loose ends here maybe to hit on any topics on your heart and maybe we'll save some other things for the next time. Well, Chris, I think, you know, to sum up, I'll have to uh, talk to Barry going about, you know, what's the best way to give my closing remarks. I just, I guess the, you know, we started in the open about why we're doing this. I can sit back and complain or, you know, applaud some of the things that have happened. Or I can kind of, you know, be more forward and use a podcast to hope to help spread the word, to get more alumni involved. That you know, not just me, but thousands upon thousands of former Vanderbilt student athletes just feel like the athletic department doesn't really care. And they're dying to be connected. 
I played in a charity golf outing a, a couple years ago. Gentleman walked up to me. He was in his late sixties. I've forgotten his name. Stuck his hand out. Will, I'd like to introduce myself. Class of whatever. Played football at Vanderbilt. And then we start talking about the university. We start talking about Vanderbilt. We start talking about student athletes. And, you know, he talked about his time and how he loved the university, but it just breaks his heart that he, you know, is not connected, doesn't have a relationship, doesn't go to games, you know. And I come across that time and time again, just, it just happens. There was a guy that I play golf with periodically in Louisville. And I'll just, name's Daryl, former uh, football player, older. I must have played golf with the guy a dozen times before he finally told me he played football at Vanderbilt. But he just said, it's just, it's not, it's just something that he's kind of put behind him. You know, he just doesn't have that relationship. And I was like, man, Daryl, why wouldn't you tell me that from day one? He's like, I didn't really think you'd care. You know, but at the same time, it's kind of bad because he doesn't care. And we need to change that. And that's where I'm hoping that we can kind of start doing that. We can get rid of that, that, that feeling of apathy and get people in Nashville to care more, get former athletes to care more. And also, honestly, get former students and current students to care more and fill up the student section at the football stadium and fill up the student section at Memorial Gym and just kind of get this back to where it can be, where it should be, and make this, you know, a family of one and not have that separation. And I know that's a huge task. I know Clark Lee is all in. Until I'm proven otherwise, I feel like Chancellor Deermeyer's all in. And I also feel like that, you know, Candace Lee is all in. But I just think that the goalposts are constantly moving. We have to keep trying to figure out ways to move forward. But at the same time, when the university makes announcements and the athletic department makes announcements, whether it's fundraising, whether it's facilities, whatever it is, new coaching hires, Jay Ralph has been a great hire. I applaud the athletic department. And I will honestly say, I was calling the athletic department, recommending somebody else. And that person was not hired and I was not happy at the moment, but you know, Candace Lee has proved me wrong. Shay Ralph has proved me wrong and not so much wrong, but I just, that wasn't who I would was recommending. It's been a great hire. They've done great things already, but I want to continue to say that that was a great hire. That was a great hire. That was a great hire. They're raising money. People are coming back. Look at all the fans in the stands, but I know it's going to take some time, but I also want to help do that. But maybe I'm taking a different approach than they would like me to to take. But I think doing this, we can cover all sides. Yeah, this has been terrific. I look forward to many more of these. I think they're going to be fun. I think they'll be insightful. I think we're going to have some great guests. If folks want to reach out to you, follow you on social media, whatever, how do they do it? Well, they can reach me at will underscore Purdue 32 is uh, where you can reach me at Twitter. You can also reach out to me at Instagram. And the reason why I'm hesitating, because I honestly don't know what my Instagram account is. My wife helps <laughs> me with that all the time. So hopefully maybe what you can do, is uh, when you're editing this, you can kind of put that in there for me. <laughs> gotcha. Well, I mean, hey. Really, I'm just like, hey, what's going on here? <laughs> I, I have one, too. I could not tell you how to find it. Yeah, I, I don't even know exactly why I started it. But uh, I think we're showing our age here. <laughs> but anyway, Will, thank, thank you a bunch. You've been a good friend. Appreciate you doing this. And we will look forward to doing this again soon. Don't know when that's going to be. I know you're busy with hoops and things like that, but uh, promise you many more of these to come. Well, I mean, I I enjoyed myself. I feel like that you know we got a message across. I hope people have a better idea of what it is we're trying to accomplish, 
And uh, I hope that they will uh, continue to listen and this continues to grow and get better. See you later, my friend. All right, you got it. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, vandysports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at vandysports.com. Follow me at chrislee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.